Is God faithful? Can God be trusted? Now, of course, that's a silly question, and we all say, well, well, of course. And, you know, when we've been on this series about meeting Jesus, we talked about Jesus as our Savior, our Healer, our Sanctifier, our Coming King, our Intercessor, our High Priest. But when it gets right down to practicality, are we living this way? Is Jesus our provider? And meeting Jesus today, Jesus is our provider. What we have to struggle with is our own personality, our own struggle. We have to struggle with our own worry. Now, I want to give you some worry facts, okay? Worry is a word that comes from the Germanic word that means to strangle or to choke. Worry chokes the life out of me. Worry binds me to a future that may or may not be result putting me in a stranglehold. Huh. When I worry, I'm imputing God's character. I say God is faithful and he is good, but worry puts God on trial. Who do we think we are putting God on trial? Now, here's the last thing. Worry puts a fog in my mind and a confusion in my direction. A worried mind is foggy. Now, let me tell you about fog. Okay, fog's pain. We have fog in the Hill Country, Texas, and I'm sure wherever you are, you have fog as well. A fog that covers seven city blocks and is one mile deep contains less than one glass of water. A lot of fog, not much water. The same thing is with worry. A lot of vexation and not much truth. It's time we literally cleared things up, pun intended. Today I want to talk about God and his provision. Talk about how Jesus is our provider. We say we trust him, but then we worry. We say we trust him, but then we worry. And worry actually says something different about who we are and what we're to be about. Now, I've challenged you in the past that we, when we fail to trust God, that uh, we, we don't obey his promises, we don't live in his truth, we don't live in his goodness. We are basically practical atheists. We say one thing and do another. We've got to remember that following Jesus is not just about attending a gathering, but is about living all for him. So how do we do that? How do we meet Jesus, our provider, and live in, in that truth? So this is the adventure we're going to go on today. So let's pray. Father, I pray that you speak through me. That it will not be my words, but your truth that comes through as we look at you as our provider. And that our lives will be changed by you and by you alone. So speak, Father, now we, we listen with anticipation. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So let's talk about this. It's a heart matter more than anything. It's a heart matter. What do I really believe in my heart? Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6. In fact, by the way, in the summer, I'll be preaching through the Sermon on the Mount, and we'll dive into this, what Jesus says. We'll be systematically through the Sermon on the Mount all summer. So let me read. This is Matthew 6. It's on the screen. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy and where the thieves where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Now, Jesus is addressing the concept of hoarding. Hoarding. Now, man, I could talk about that around the church family of First Baptist Church. We, I keep hearing people whine that we don't have enough storage. We don't have enough storage. Why? Because we're hoarders. And see, we want to hoard things. We want to have things we'll never use and keep things for an extended period of time that we'll never use again. And we somehow find comfort in the, the stacking up of our hoarding of things. Jesus looks at things as temporal and not eternal. That's how he sees things. He's not worried about your pre-lit Christmas tree in your storage barn. Just saying. 
He's not worried about your decorations from the 80s that you'll never pull out and use again, and you need to either give them to the thrift store or throw them in the dumpster. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about that suit that was in style, that leisure polyester leisure suit with the wide collar that you'll never wear again. Talking about you holding on to that. He's not talking about that. Jesus doesn't look at temporal things. And he says, look in your heart. Look in your heart at the eternal things. The loss of things is certain in this life. Things rot are they're taken away. Now, I got a friend of mine. I will give a shameless plug for him. His name's Aaron Gober. He owns a company called Your Personal Tailor. And he makes custom clothes. I love Aaron. And uh, he gets a lot of my shirts for me. He gets a lot of my pants. He makes my suits, my sport coats. But yeah, I, I love his clothes. I love Aaron. He's a great guy. Aaron found a pair of blue jeans that are stretchy jeans. And, uh, well, of course, you know, skinny jeans are in. All my jeans are skinny jeans because, you know, whatever. But uh, he's found stretchy You know, I, he got a pair of stretchy I got every color of stretchy jeans I get because I love them. They're comfortable. They look good. They feel good. That's what I wear. I love stretchy jeans. Do you know what? The whitewashed pair of stretchy jeans got a hole in them, and Tara made me throw them away. I said, baby, don't you know that it's stylish now to have jeans with holes in them? She goes, yes, baby, I realize it's stylish for you to have jeans with holes in them, but not where that hole was. Too much information? Yeah. They things rot. They wear out. They go out of style. you got to get rid of them. Jesus said this is a way of life. But you know what? There's some things... They'll never go out of style. There's some things that never rot. Where are you laying your treasure? What are you looking for provision for? Hmm. Now, there are heavenly treasures. You know what heavenly treasures are? People. People. People last forever. Where they last forever is dependent upon their personal decision. But Jesus is saying value people over stuff. It's a hard issue. We've all gone through seasons of uncertainty. In fact, we're coming out of a whole dadgum year of uncertainty. Right now, we're about a year into the pandemic, and the vaccine is now out, and it, uh, maybe things are changing. Maybe it's worse. I, I don't know. I'm pre-taping this. I don't know if they've shut us down or not. I don't know. But I do know this. God knows. And in the seasons of uncertainty, we can clutch onto things that are temporal tighter and hold onto them. That's normal, but we're called to live to a higher standard. The certainties of God are greater than the circumstances of your life. Huh. When we live in the reality that God, that Jesus is my provider, then I can live with a greater generosity. What? When I live with the reality that Jesus is my provider, I can live with a greater generosity. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 9. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely and has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness." <clears throat> you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Hmm. 
When I realize God is the provider, Jesus is my provider, I can be greater in generosity. Yeah. You know why? Because you cannot give God. You can't. See to it that he will not produce for you a harvest that's pressed down, running over, greater than you can, you can receive. God is generous. Generous. Now, how we respond to generosity really reveals our devotion. The eye is the lamp of the body. So that if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then light, light is in you as darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, this seem, passage seems out of place, but it's not. Jesus was addressing the revealed new life of Christ. Listen, this is what he says. You are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden. Nor does people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and be a glory to your Father in heaven. You see, we live in the reality that Jesus is our provider and we respond in generosity. Then our gospel enlightened life lights up a dark world. When we live in the reality that Jesus is our provider, our generosity lightens up a dark world. Historically, Christians have been the most giving. During this crisis, the church has gone above and beyond in, in leaning into the plight of folks, feeding the valley, feeding Thanksgiving meals, uh, being standing in the gap for, for kids and for parents for the under-resourced. We, as this church, we are very generous people. We've endured dark hours and uncertain days. We've allowed the worry to fog and cloud our vision and divert our heart. And then we begin to, to hoard hope. But we are not those people. We are not let the fog dissuade us or the worry to grab us and strangle us. But we are a people who do not hoard hope but give it away. Clarity only comes with a changed heart. And the heart is changed in display through us being generous. Oh, so we have a choice to make. No one could serve two masters, Jesus said, for either you'll hate the one and love the other, or he will devote to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Serve is a powerful word. It means to shift my devotion to live with the intent on serving someone else. My first thought is to be toward God and his kingdom, not to money and what I should hoard. It's not. Not to stuff, but to the Savior. This is a decision of devotion. This is a declaration of lordship. Now, let's go back to where we started. This church started in 1884 at Jacob's Well. It started with great generosity. We progressed to this place of great generosity. As I talk to you, um, we're probably better off financially than we've ever been in the history of this church's life. What does that say? We have a greater responsibility of generosity than ever before. That's what it says. To build lives in Latin America, to create networks of churches all over the world, to lean into this valley, to give you the gospel, to do the best thing we can through our internet campus, to help you and encourage you, that's what it's about. Now, if you've been attending with us and you've not given, why not? You're given to the glory of God and to the mission of God. You're creating a bright light to a shining world. Generosity reflects your heart. What about that guy on the street who's hungry? Why don't you feed him? What about that neighbor across the street who's struggling? Why don't you reach in and help them? Do you know while we were doing the uh, feeding during Thanksgiving, a guy swung by and gave us a check for $15,000. We didn't ask for it. 
He says, because the good you're being done, your good you're doing, I want to be a part of that. And, I, and he gave us $15,000. So we're using it for King, God's glory. Wow. You see, generosity begets generosity. And as we lean in as a generous people, God does a great work. And as you lean in, God blesses you with resources for you to share your resources. The story comes out with J. Paul Getty, one of the richest men in all the world, died. His accountant was asked the question, how much did he leave? His accountant said, all of it. There's no, no uh, wagon following a hearse, y'all. You don't take your stuff to heaven. So we live for Jesus' glory. Trust the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. Commit your way to him. Trust him and he will act. God's kingdom is always towards people. And the kingdom of God is never a place. I must desire what God desires. The ex-church do that. And they would uh, give to provide for others. It was the Jewish way, the Hebrew way. They saw a need, they meet a need. In this season of decentralized gatherings, we can, we can lean into meeting needs through our efforts to, on your promptings. We can see needs and meet a need, even if you're attending online. You can do that. I must seek God's righteousness through a personal faith in him and express that righteousness by a generous heart all for him. Then I live in the promise of Jesus as my provider. Wow. You see, the fog of worry is dispelled by the reality of the person of Jesus being made in my life. I cannot serve two masters. So I'm going to choose Jesus. And in choosing him, I see him as my provider. Then I can be generous to you, to y'all, all for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you've said today. And Father, I'm reminded of what you wrote, you wrote about the church in, um, in Philippi. They first gave themselves to you. Then they gave generously over and above to meet needs. And I pray, Father, our first inclination is to give ourselves to you. That as we give ourselves to you, that, Father, you'll use our lives in generosity to do the good that needs doing and share the love that needs sharing. So I thank you for this time in your word, and I pray that as we meet you as our provider, we'll cling to you and not be caught up in the worry or the hoarding, but live in freedom and generosity as we live all for you. Folks, some of you need to give your life to Christ today. Just simply pray, Jesus, I'm yours. Give your life to Jesus. Some of you need to take your next steps. Go to fbcwimberly.com and take those next steps and become a part of this family. Some of you need to lead a group, and you know it. Take that next step. Invite folks and use the content we provided. Father, all these things we give for your glory and your glory alone, that we might live all for you. And we pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. I want you to listen to this last song. And as you listen to it, make a decision today about being generous in the days ahead because you can't out-give God. Jesus, meeting, he's your provider. I hope this has helped.
Good night.